On September 12, 1995, McKay Everett disappeared from his home in Conroe, Texas. There was no sign of forced entry. It was just as if McKay had walked out of his own free will. And to this day, McKay's mother, Paulette, feels that justice was never truly served. Ransom is available now. Listen at ransompodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, culpable listeners, Dennis Cooper here. I want to tell you about our new series from Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV. It's called Undetermined, and it's hosted by a voice you're already familiar with, investigative journalist and my fellow culpable producer, Jessica Knoll. In Undetermined, she'll be looking into the case of Jessica Easterly Durning, who vanished from her New Orleans home in August of 2019. Despite signs of foul play, the coroner classified both her cause and manner of death as undetermined. Make sure and subscribe to Undetermined wherever you listen to your podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday. This is episode one, titled Jessica. After you listen, head over to the Undetermined feed and check out episode two. Hey listeners, Jessica here. Be sure to check out new episodes of Undetermined every Tuesday for free wherever you get your podcasts. For early and ad-free listening, check out Tenderfoot Plus on Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals interviewed and participating in the show and do not represent those of Tenderfoot TV and Resonate Recordings. All individuals described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matter such as violence and graphic descriptions, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. First of all, let me just say to the family of Jessica, I want to thank them for being at this place, at this site. I know it is not easy. I know every time they come anywhere close to this area, they are reliving the worst moment of their lives. As many of you probably do know, two years ago, we unfortunately lost Jessica. After going missing, Jessica's sisters found her deceased just steps away from where we're standing right now. And since that day, this family has had absolutely no closure in this case. They've gotten no answers in this case. This is from a press conference I attended back on August 8th, 2021. The man speaking is New Orleans District Attorney Jason Williams. The woman he just mentioned is Jessica Easterly Durning, the person at the center of this story. Jessica wasn't a New Orleans native, but it's where she spent a good chunk of her life, right here in the neighborhood of Lakeview, where this press conference was held. By appearance alone, nothing bad could ever happen in this charming, Mayberry-esque setting. 
But on August 22nd, 2019, this is where Jessica was found, just a stone's throw from her own home. And who made that gruesome discovery? Not trained investigators, nor innocent bystanders, but her own family. The purpose of today's press conference on these railroad tracks, however, is to make a very clear and a very direct public appeal to this community. We need you to speak up because in order to solve cold cases and unsolved murders, all of the law enforcement community needs your help. This city, the 5,000 plus unsolved cases needs your help. This family needs your help. I need your help. And I want to say to this family, just like I said to Jessica's mother, this is important for the folks behind me, but this is important to every single family that has lost a loved one and has not had the closure of having that case solved. You have our thoughts and prayers and you know that, but this family needs more than that. This family needs us to work and work together. This family needs us to be a team. This family needs closure and deserves justice. Some people in this neighborhood didn't even know this case existed. Didn't even know that Jessica went missing or that she was found dead. So it all comes back to, did the police do the footwork to ask people around here, hey, did you see anything? You know, did you see this girl? And, and if they did, how far did they canvas? My name is also Jessica, Jessica Knoll. I'm an investigative journalist and I've been covering this story for some time now, but I didn't go it alone. With me is my partner and good friend, Todd McComas, a retired detective who brings his own set of skills, ones that can hopefully help make a difference in this case. A case that sits in limbo with the New Orleans Police Department, growing colder with each passing day. If I'm one of the detectives called out here, I'm immediately going to just say out loud, what a weird place to dump a body. What a weird place to find a body. Just because I literally can go 40 yards over here and I have a tree line that's very still overgrown that I could tuck anything in there and no one probably find it for a very long time. So it's just weird to me. I don't, the location of where she was found is just... It, it's troublesome. It's troublesome, unless it was by design. When we first visited the site where Jessica was found, admittedly, we knew very little about her story. Our questions were simple and straightforward, about what you would expect given the circumstances. I just keep going back to, what are the odds? What do you... What are you doing back here? Why does why does your your life end? Why does your walk end? If no one brought you here, why this spot? Why this side of this neighborhood? And that's the undetermined question. In Jessica's case, it's not just a question of who's responsible for her death. It's also a question of how she died. 
questions that emerged when the coroner listed both her cause and manner of death as undetermined. A catch-all when there's insufficient evidence to say it's homicide, suicide, accidental, or natural. The word undetermined has loomed over this case, sparking outrage in Jessica's loved ones, leaving investigators stumped. It's why we are here, searching for answers. Answers about Jessica's life. I think it's part of what held her in place after she was ready to leave is she had this dirty secret. I just wish I would have known them better before we really got involved with their life. And about her death. Her C4 vertebrae as well as her rib were broken. And those are post-mortem. I might have some information that y'all would find helpful. From Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV, I'm your host, Jessica Knoll. This is Undetermined. Jessica's family travels from Mississippi to the New Orleans neighborhood of Lakeview, where Jessica lived and where she died, or at least where her body was found. With a freshly printed stack of flyers, they move from street signs to telephone poles, hanging them one at a time in Jessica's name, making sure that people here don't forget about her. The flyers read, What happened to Jessica Easterly? Jessica's family has always been of the belief that someone in this neighborhood has information that could help solve her mysterious death. Since day one, the family has done everything in their power to keep this case alive. They're a dedicated group, and it's their dedication that brought me to Biloxi, Mississippi, where Jessica was born and where our story begins. To understand more about Jessica and her life, I started with those who knew her best, Jessica's sisters, Amanda and Audrey. I'm Amanda Barnes. I am Jessica's little sister. I'm Audrey, and I'm Jessica's older sister. Audrey and I are half-sisters. Our father married Jessica's mother. Jessica's our stepsister. But in our family, we don't say half-sisters. That's not our thing. Mom and Dad got married in April of 89, just before I turned 10. They were only together for about a year before they got married. So we'll just say I was 16. So that would have made Jessica 11 or 12 at the time. A photo of the three sisters together depicts this day of celebration. They're all smiles and wear matching formal lace dresses with poofy sleeves. While becoming a blended family is etched into their memories, the first time the sisters met is a little bit hazy. But one thing Audrey, also known as Audra, does recall is Jessica couldn't take her eyes off her. I used to wear black lipstick, holy jeans, and my hair stuck up way high. All she ever did was stare at me. 
I think she might have said hi, but she just stared like, oh God, what is that? <laughs> Growing up, Audrey was admittedly a rare sighting at the house. I didn't really stay home. I was always out and about. I was a teenager. I was gone. I just want to get the hell out of the house and go be with my friends. Amanda and Jessica were only a couple years apart and had a closer relationship at the time. She was my older sister in high school whenever I was just getting into high school. Didn't have a lot of the same friends because of the age difference, but if she had someone over, I was welcome to go hang out with them. You know, as you get older and you're not that pesky little sister anymore, and said you're someone that she could show me how to do my makeup, because God knows that I had no idea how to do any of that. You know, getting dressed for, like, homecoming or something, she would help pick out that type of stuff. She was a typical older sister. Eventually, they meshed, as blended families often do. But it was deeper than that. It was love. There was love there, like you could tell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no family is perfect. I'm not trying to say that we're the white picket fence, two-story house kind of people, but it was pretty typical childhood. After graduation, Jessica started her own journey into adulthood. In the summer of 1994, she left home to attend the University of Southern Alabama for speech pathology and audiology. And that's when Maria, her friend of 25 years, came into the picture. My name is Maria Creel, and I was Jessica's best friend. We met when Jessica was in college. She was dating the boy that lived across the street from me, whose younger sister I was best friends with at the time. You could not hit it off with Jessica. She was, she was just such a quick wit. Like, she always had something funny to say, like, just off the cuff. Like, quick, quick, quick. Like, if, if you had something to say, she had a funny response, and you couldn't just not enjoy being around her. She was four or five years older than me, so maybe not so much in common, but maybe I was just, like, the annoying little kid. When we first met, you know, she was in college, and I was, like, 15 or 16, so she tolerated me. <laughs> and she was, like, the cool, you know, college chick that I was just like, you know, I just wanted to be like her. She was funny. She could just be so polished, just like in an instant, like pretty updo and pearls just so quick. She she could turn around on Audrey Hepburn look so fast. She was always down for like a little adventure. She was quick to, you know, grab a bottle of Franzia or a box. <laughs> that was a running joke. <laughs> hey, I got a box of wine with your name on it. <laughs> Jessica was already in college and living with her boyfriend when she took in the then-rebellious teenager, Lo, as Jessica lovingly nicknamed her. Maria lived with Jessica for about six months before making a college cheer squad and moving into the dorms. After a year and a half in Alabama, Jessica, now 23 years old and single, moved back to Biloxi to attend Old Miss. She began working at the nearby casinos as a server, bringing her and her younger sister Amanda closer together. And shortly after, the two sisters moved in together in New Orleans. Jessica found work on casino boats along the coast and did well with her outgoing personality. And it wasn't long before she locked eyes with a man named Justin Durning. 
At the time they met, Justin was married to Jessica's friend, Lauren. She was talking about Justin and her friend, about them having problems whenever I was still living with her. Part of our problem was piecing together Jessica's timeline about exactly when and how Justin and her were together. She kept a lot of things secret for a very long time. She painted things in positive ways that as we learned things from her, either we thought, this doesn't sound like it quite adds up, all the way over to, oh, this is bullshit. Her sisters say something in Jessica changed after she met Justin. But what that was, they couldn't quite put their finger on. One thing was for sure. They had some pretty serious reservations about Jessica being with Justin from the beginning. The beginning of their relationship was shrouded in mystery for a long time, and a lot of things we did not know the truth of until after she died. Whenever I first met him, shook his hand, he seemed okay. Within about 30 minutes of us sitting in there is when I started getting the, this isn't right. There's something, I don't know what it is, but my hackles are up. I don't know why. But you know what they say, love is blind. And Jessica had found her prince charming. She was ready to settle down. She wanted a family. On July 15th, 2011, Jessica announced on Facebook that she and Justin had moved in together. She joined the home he shared with his elderly father, Justin Sr., and teenage daughter, Grace. Jessica posted a photo of the two of them with the caption, It was love at first sight. We met on a boat and have been together ever since. I think that Jessica hit a point in her life where she wanted to believe in love that she found love. Love conquers all and everyone's yay and she'd be the stay-at-home mom bringing her kids up and and the husband hi honey how was your day the beaver cleaver type thing yeah that's what she wanted in life on february 25th 2015 at sunset justin and jessica tied the knot at the hard rock cafe hotel and casino in her hometown of biloxi wearing a halter top white satin dress adorned with a silver jewel embellishment It was the day Jessica had dreamed of, the day she became a wife and a stepmom. Jessica's friend since childhood, Erica Bedard Russell, was one of the few invited to the intimate nuptials and described the tone of that day. It was very small, not planned. The only thing planned is they rented a room. It wasn't even um, like a ballroom or anything. It was like a suite with a little living room and a kitchen. She wasn't even ready for it. They had a a preacher. I helped her make her bouquet when I got to the room before the ceremony even started. I believe I was her only friend there. It was a weird day. They got married on the little balcony, and then that was it. I don't even remember an official ceremony. I don't remember a wedding cake. It may have been, but I... I don't remember it. I just remember feeling uncomfortable. Erica remembers that Justin seemed nervous and didn't seem to share the same enthusiasm as Jessica, which makes sense. For Jessica, it was her first marriage. Justin, on the other hand, had been married twice before. But 
all of that was easily overshadowed by Jessica's sheer joy. She was giddy. She was absolutely giddy. Her mom was quiet. She was like, I can't believe I'm going to marry the love of my life. I'm so lucky. And just like that, Jessica had her own little family. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. In the days following the wedding, Erica got to know Justin a little better. It was just, I mean, the way he acted, the the way he tried to control everything, the way he he would talk down about her family to to make her hate them more. I feel like he was the reason why her mother became a little bit distant. I mean, he would tell her things that would make her so angry. A lot of times he would answer her phone and start talking. I'm like, well, where's Jessica? Oh, well, she just ran out to go get Gracie. She ran out to do this. She ran out to do that. Okay. I don't know why he had her phone. He wouldn't necessarily call me. We would end up talking because I would be calling for Jessica or I would be talking to Jessica and he'd take the phone. Towards the end, this is how Erica remembers many of their calls going. It made her miss the way it used to be. I loved our little talks. She always would tell me she loved me. She'd just say, love you, my Erica. And I would tell her, love you too, my Jessica. I wish I could go back. I wish I, wish I could relive some of those moments. I mean, just some of the good times again. And as the years passed, 
friends and family felt more and more distant from Jessica, their concerns about her mounted. And it would all come to a head in August of 2019. From here, everything would start to unravel. She contacted me on the 12th. The 13th came and went without contact. So then on the 14th, she didn't call me and I didn't hear from her. My phone dinged. It's Justin, but it's from Jessica's account and he's saying he doesn't know where she is. And like my whole body just went cold. I don't know how to describe it other than that. But I just felt a chill all over. And so I texted him back and I was like, okay, well, what about her phone? Like, and he was like, nope, phone, ID, everything. It's here with me. I was like, okay, well, I'm calling the police. He was like, well, uh, you're just going to freak Grace out. I was like, you just said she was already worried. Like, what is there to freak her out about? What do you mean? Her mom is missing. She's already freaked out. And I said, if Jonathan came home and my cell phone ID vehicle was here and I was missing and the kids were here by themselves, he would already be talking to the police. Like right now, he'd be standing in the yard talking to the police. Like, I shouldn't have to send them to your house. So I called the police and the dispatcher that answered, I was trying to explain to her, I was like, look, I need y'all to go over there and figure out what's going on. And then I got like a message from him came down. I was like, he just told me that he called y'all, but I'm on the phone with you. He just said he called y'all and you said you had, he had to wait to file a missing person. I was like, but I'm not saying file a missing person. She was like, oh, hang on. Cause we wouldn't tell him that. She suddenly was hearing me loud and clear. And so she was like, okay, we're on the way. It's Wednesday, August 14, 2019, just after 10 p.m. Two officers pull up to the Durnings' home. This is audio from the NOPD body cam footage we obtained from Jessica's family. As the officer approaches the one-story brick house, he shines a flashlight ahead of him to light his way. He cautiously approaches and illuminates the front storm door but an interior door blocks any view inside. Shifting to the left, he sheds light onto the brick, revealing the address placard and verifying he's in the right place. But before he can knock or ring a doorbell, a man walks over from the side of the house to greet the officers, along with his leashed German shepherd. Do you live here? I do, yeah. Six, we're told, we're, is someone ill here? I'm sorry? Someone sick here? No, nobody's sick here, man. Yeah, he don't bite, huh? No, not at all. No, no, no. He's one of your dogs, actually. We got a call, though. Yeah, I know. It's one of my wife's friends. Justin's dog is inconsolable the moment he sets eyes on them. Let him just say hi so he's not barking at you guys. You want to say hi, Bubba? Okay. It's all right. We're just excited. Hey, baby. Hey, hey, hey. He's just, he's just, yeah, he's friendly. He's going through a bunch of training right now. Yeah. Basically, my service dog. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Bubba. It's okay. It's just a finish line. So, it's... 
Yeah, so what's going on my here? Wife, my wife, uh, about 12 o'clock I came home and we sat and talked and I laid down so we could nap. And the car's here, her wallet's here, everything's here. And I'm not trying to freak my daughter out because she's 15, just started. Anyway, I'm freaking because this is not indicative of my wife. So I called everybody I know, and I know who, I know who called for the well check, uh, a friend of hers in Alabama. And I mean, you guys are welcome to come in if you want to take a look around. So you called? No, no, no. They called? I, I, because she's what, uh, uh, missing? So your wife? Yeah. Is she yeah, gone? Her car's gone? Ten, no, the car's here, her wallet's here. Her how long ago, How long she's been gone? Like 1230, 1215. Today? 1230. I fell asleep, so I don't really Today? Know. Yes, sir. Initially, Justin describes a situation as unusual, not indicative of his wife. But as their conversation continues, he starts to switch gears a bit. She's depressed bipolar, but she's on meds and stuff, and it's, it's normal. I mean, she, she handles sick. Um, she's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, five, 115 pounds, dark brown hair. Pretty. Uh, uh, her birthday's Saturday. She's taking medicine? Yeah, she's on medicine, but it, I mean, it's not even, it's, it's not like, I mean, we've been through the ring with the psych stuff with her, and um, she's a psychologist by trade. So, not to so not has she, yeah. She's has been, she left before like this at the length of time? No, never, never. And that's what's got me concerned. But I mean, since 1230 today, she just uh, apparently warned it off. Uh, and, and we're just now getting a call? I mean... Well, no, what happened was is I woke up about four. Oh, okay. I came home from school. I woke up around four. Okay, yeah. A piece was made. And, a piece was made. Okay, and she's gone. And, right. And the car's here, the keys are here, purse is here. Um, so, so. You know, and she doesn't go wandering off. She's not from here. She's lived here seven years, six, six years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I was kind of giving it, and you know, another hour or two yeah. before I called you guys because. Let's see if she wandered back. I mean, she's never she's done so that before. Fuck no. No, no. no, no. Not okay. at all. And and that's that's my concern. And you know, we've we've been a little bit. She's been a little bit stressed out for a couple of reasons because, like, a, a 15 year old is inside, and um, she got overwhelmed right before going to high school for the first time, and. Okay. Well, you 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 checked all some good places that, that you need to check hospital, jail, whatever. But it ain't like it's in jail, you know. But uh, at this point, I think a report's going to be required, of course. They told me 24 hours. Well, the circumstances, though. 24 hours and it doesn't come into play. She just she disappeared. I mean, right? You could have done this report hours ago. I mean, it's, it's suspicious, but due to her medication and all that other stuff, I would think. And she's been she's made compliant. I mean. It's right, like right. Well, it's reason for alarm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is. Uh, but you, 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 you know, made those uh, uh, checks. That's good, though. That's that's pretty I didn't much. I know what else to do. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. she left the phone because um, so, I, I started to do GPS. You know, to see if I could uh, find the tablet, the phone, the purse, everything. She made a pizza. Oh, she left phone, everything. There's yeah, nothing yeah. to trace her. And, no. Well, what happened was my phone blew off my motorcycle. Yeah, that was great. Fifteen hundred bucks flying off the handlebars. Yeah. My fault. But anyway, so we we're kind of sharing a phone. But usually if she goes somewhere, she'll take the phone because I have the iPad at home. As officers are wrapping up their wellness check, the conversation turns a little more casual. And the thing is, if she wandered about in Lakeview, Lakeview people are going to call. Oh, no doubt. And that's since 84. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness, you know, house, yeah. I got the house the old-fashioned way. Oh, yeah. My mother passed away. Oh, I know, yeah, so, I've seen this house for I've, years. I've got yeah. my dad, my dad's 86. Yeah, yeah I've been just in 79. I've been in 12th year, I've been in 79. How long have you been at Joe? 
Uh-huh. Oh, 44. 44? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I thought you were about to say you're 44. I'm like, I'm 47. Oh, no. There's no freaking way. <laughs> but I'm, I'm yeah. looking at JPSO right now. Uh, I, I got to get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. That's a I'm good place to work. That's like, a good place to work. It, it is. You're how old? I'm just 46. I'm 46. I'll be 46. Yeah, yeah. Be your first time law enforcement? First time law enforcement, yeah. Just before leaving, the other officer chimes in and lets Justin know that another NOPD unit will be coming out soon, and they'll call ahead of time so he can put his dog away before they arrive. My name's Justin, but everybody calls me Jay. I'm a junior, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, name Lumens, is that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother. I'm gonna have somebody come out, all right? All right, your name? Jay. Jay. Derning. It's important to know that no police report is created from this wellness check per our public records request. But as promised, approximately two hours later, another unit from the NOPD's third district would return to the home, this time to open an official missing persons investigation. And let's just say, this visit would be quite different from the first. Hey, we're on this 21M. It's actually my neighbor. They live three houses away from me. Yeah, he's a strange individual too, the husband. I've lived here for three years now and I see him outside all the time, but I never, I have never seen this woman, ever. I've always wondered where his wife is. I, I knew that he was married, but I've never seen her. To me, it's just like, something's not right here. Undetermined is a production of Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV in conjunction with Cadence 13, written and hosted by me, Jessica Knoll, and produced by Dennis Cooper and Todd McComas, with additional production by Whitney Bozarth. Executive producers are Dennis Cooper, Mark Minnery, Jacob Bozarth, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Our senior producer is John Street. Editing, mixing, mastering, and sound design by Caleb Melcher, Dayton Cole, and Pat Kicklider of the Resonate Recordings team. If you have a podcast or are looking to start one, check us out at ResonateRecordings.com. Our theme song and original score is by Dirt Core Robbins, with additional scoring by Dayton Cole. Additional score for this episode by Interstates and Andy Walker. Our cover art is by Station 16. You can follow Undetermined Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter at Undetermined Pod. Show notes as well as bonus content can be found on our website, undeterminedpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to subscribe, rate, and review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. And finally, if you have any information about this case, Call Crime Stoppers at 1-877-903-7867.